we definitely need to work on our surroundings, not because we want it to look nice for other people, but because we wanted to enhance that vision that we have of ourselves living in, in that home. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Defeat showing picture-perfect rooms make you second-guess your abilities to make changes in your own home. Everywhere we turn, someone is trying to show or outpace the latest trend, and soon we'll start hearing about 2023 color of the year. I want to invite you to leave all of that behind and start looking at your surroundings with a more holistic approach, one with intention, a deep sense of self-awareness, and based on a vision of the type of home life you seek. Today, my guest is Jessica Velazquez, who is an interior designer, a firm believer that our well-being is inseparable from our environment, and host of her Instagram live show, My Very First Home. But before we get to the conversation, I want to share a minimalist moment of the week with you. We're a handful of days away from the new year, and with that comes New Year's resolutions, goal setting, which I'm very pro-goal setting. However, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, I would say that I have the mindset of you can always start today, you can always start in the next moment. Many hurdles in my life I've overcome by the mindset of I don't have to wait until tomorrow to start a new habit. I can start with the next meal. I can start in the next interaction with this person. Putting it off to some unknown circumstance or some later date and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I try to stay away from the I'll start Monday approach, I'll start next month, I'll start in the new year. That said, I have been thinking about a word of the year. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. However, last night I was laying in bed, it was far too late, I should have been asleep and I found myself in the comment section of a post that was getting some fairly negative feedback. Okay, it wasn't fairly negative. It was pretty negative. And as I'm scrolling through these comments, out of curiosity, it occurred to me, what is the benefit? What's the benefit for me to go through negative comments on someone's post? I'm no wiser. I'm not necessarily enlightened. I've only wasted my time, my brain cells, emotional energy possibly. It's not uplifting. It's not productive. And yet this is where I found myself at midnight. So something I want to consider throughout 2023 is what is the benefit? There are several areas of my life that I could apply this phrase to. And when I recognized that last night, I knew that I wanted to share it with all of you. So maybe in your quiet time over these next couple of days or the first few days of the new year, you're thinking through things that you want to change, things that you want to keep doing. Consider what is the benefit? And I'd love to know if this was helpful to you. Let me know. Mom's podcast. Thank you, then. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to connect with you. Today, we're going to be talking about a holistic approach to designing the home, to minimalism. But before we get there, I want to know more about you. Do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? And then who am I speaking with today? Well, like you said, my name is Jessica Velasquez. I'm actually from Panama. It's a little country in Central America, and I'm based in Canada. I'm a mom of five. There are four boys and one girl. And I'm an interior designer. I started doing interior design very early in my career, like right after graduating from university. But it wasn't until probably 
you know, 10 years ago when I really focused on it and decided to actually just channel all my energy into first-time homeowners. I, I think that's a section of the population that kind of gets neglected. And there are lots of people who want to have a home that fills their need and it's inspiring when they come back and they think it's kind of unaffordable. And I I do talk to a lot of them who take possession of their homes, are excited, they have all these dreams, reality hits, budget hits, you know, all those things, but they still have all the dreams that everybody else has and they buy things that eventually either don't fit their space, don't look the way they thought it would look with what they currently have or the way it looked in the store and they, they're stuck with purchases that they hate or they're afraid to spend the money or waste it. And they spend, you know, the first year or two of their home life with bare walls or nothing that shows their personality in their home. And so I decided I'm going to focus on this section of home ownership and I created a course for them. It's called Design School for, for Homeowners. So I do a lot of teaching. I like educating. I like providing a lot of tips for them to use in their day-to-day life. And as far as do I consider myself a minimalist? Not necessarily. I'm more like an intentionalist. I do like a home that has personality, a home that that tells me a story of the person who lives there. I don't like homes that look like a furniture catalog. So for some people, that would be having lots of photos on a wall. And is that a minimalist wall? You know, not necessarily, but I do believe in buying things with intention, not just because they look good on someone else's feed, but because they satisfy your needs. And I also believe that lifestyle comes first style comes after so i'm an intentionalist more than anything else so is that what you mean by a holistic approach i I guess i want you to define what you mean when you take a holistic approach to someone's home when you're helping them with interior design what does that look like it looks like a really deep conversation it looks like starting from a point of self-awareness first I don't go immediately and asking, what's your style? What color do you like? That comes after. The conversation starts with, what are your needs? But let's define needs. Let's talk about first, what is your lifestyle? What does your family life look like in this particular room or the whole house, if we're doing the whole house? And it's surprising to see how many things we discover about ourselves that we take for granted. We don't all watch TV the same way, for example. We don't all cook the same way, Mm -hmm. have dinners the same way, work the same way. So we need to get to that point of self-awareness first where we identify, oh, this this is how we entertain. This is how we use our living room. And it differs from family to family, from household to household. So first is let's identify the lifestyle. Then let's identify what needs to be fixed. A lot of people will say, well, I don't like my house. It's not inspiring. But it's not that the house doesn't have style or color or whatever inspires you. It's more that maybe there's lots of clutter. 
maybe your walls are bare. So you come home to nothing that tells that you live there. So we talk, okay, what are your needs? And what's your life home vision like? I think we all come to home ownership or renting with a vision. This is how I want to live my life. Because we, you know, we're home with our parents and we're always talking like, like when I have my home, I will never do this. Yeah. When I have my kids, I will never say this. I will never do this. So knowingly or not, we come to our homes to home ownership or renting thinking this is how my life inside my four walls is going to be like. So what is that vision like? Now, now that that is identified, then, okay, let's look at what you already have. Let's look at what you have, maybe packed in some room, in some closet, boxed somewhere. Let's see what we can use. Then let's talk about layout. How will you put the things that you need to buy? See, what happens when we do not buy with a layout first is that we end up buying things that don't fit. Not that they just don't fit. You may go to a store with all the measurements. Okay, I have a wall that is, let's just say, 10 feet long. We think, oh, I'm going to buy a couch that fits this wall. But you bring it home and you end up realizing that that's not where you want it, your couch, because it really doesn't work with your lifestyle. So now you're stuck with a couch. That's what I call the pray and buy (laughs) method. You pray and you hope and then you buy thinking, okay, I'm going to cross my fingers that it works. But what if we do it backwards? What if we create the layout first? And then we know how that furniture is going to go. So we're buying with intention. We're buying knowing this is how things are going to fit and how I'm going to make them work around what I already have and my space. Not based on the sales that are being offered at the store, not based on Black Friday, you know, or a catalog. So this is what I'm calling like buying with intentions. It's a more holistic way of looking at things. And I work a lot with a budget. What happens with many homeowners is that they overspend and under deliver because they're buying based on the sales. So put all that in this big bowl. And now let's talk about style. So it's the very last thing that we talk about. Is there anything before we move on to style? Is there anything that you're noticing that is universal as an interior designer? Because you talk a lot about need. And that is, again, it's so important. And I think if we're creating an intentional life, if we're creating a life that just works for us, works for our family, works for our kids, we have certain goals in mind, obviously, but for moms, especially, I'm sure a lot of that looks similar. So is there something that you keep coming back to that there's an area that you're finding a lot of clients are like, this area doesn't work and I need it fixed. Are you seeing that? What I see the most in family, especially with younger kids is they want a home that looks pretty, but they're not providing solutions to set their kids up for success. Things like, for example, you know, you have the coat rack. Uh, here in Canada, we take our shoes off at the entrance. Yeah, everybody does. So you find homes with a lot of shoes everywhere, jackets, school bags, you name it. And all the m- amount of nagging and complaining will not fix it. So why don't we just simplify things and create the storage and bring the hooks down for jackets to your kid's height and provide baskets for them to just put all their scarves and mittens and hats in one place. 
or you go to the living room and there are toys everywhere where, well, replace a pretty stylish coffee table by an ottoman with storage. And instead of having the pretty nice open shelves that people can't seem to keep in order and just buy things with doors or buy baskets. So that's pretty universal. I don't, I don't know if that's what you were looking for, or is it more like yeah. style universal things? <laughs> no, no, no. I think about the entryway being that position that's kind of a catch-all that people mm-hmm. don't necessarily address the entryway. That's the place that you're leaving every day and you're first coming home to. And so yeah. I always recommend if that area is chaotic and cluttered, it's probably not the best to enter your home, enter your space with that greeting you. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I figured that that was probably something that an interior designer probably focuses on a lot. Again, especially moms, because it's yeah. not. And also when people are coming to our homes, it's the first spot that they see. I don't want to say it's a representation of us because we do go through seasons that are more chaotic. But I think for us, if we're looking for peace in our home, that that's a place that we can really hone our focus to make a little bit nicer. And not only that, there's a couple of things that I want to touch on what you just said. That it's cluttered. And the first thing that you're reminded of is everything that's not working. Everything that needs to be fixed. All the chores that are pending. And that's not the right energy you want when you come back home. You want to come home to a home that hugs you and greets you and welcomes you. And you're like, I'm so glad I'm home. And let's let's just say that for a home to be inspiring, it doesn't have to be perfect. No home is perfect. But there are things that we can definitely do that will help us feel at home. And, and what you, we just talked about is one of them. The other thing is that I do find that people want to bring friends in. You bought the home. Your friends over. So that's your home life vision. And they end up not wanting every, anybody over because they're embarrassed. So how is your home then supporting that vision, that lifestyle? It's not. We definitely need to work on our surroundings, not because we want it to look nice for other people, but because we wanted to enhance that vision that we have of ourselves living in, in that home. When you're first starting to work with someone, do you give them tasks when someone's going out to a store to get something new or to get something to help with organization? I guess, what does that process look like? Like, what would I be doing if you were telling me to go to the store? How do I not waste money? And you say changing the money mindset that sabotages our home dreams. Absolutely. So you asked about what do I tell them before they go to a store? Going to a store is the very last thing that we do. It's absolutely the last thing. There's a lot of planning and a lot of budgeting. There is a lot of clarity that needs to happen before. So you wouldn't go shopping the first time. We do a lot of window shopping. We create a vision. So before you hit the store, you already have a really good idea of how your house is going to look when you're done. So you're buying things that work towards that vision and you have a plan. Otherwise, what happens is that the first thing that you buy becomes a constraint for the next one. And that second one is the next constraint. So if you bought the couch because it was on sale or because it fit and it looks good, then everything else is going to have to 
fit around that couch or go with that color? What if we buy everything knowing, even if you don't buy them right away, mm-hmm. but if you create the vision and mm-hmm. then you go shopping, it doesn't really matter if you're refinishing your own furniture, buying completely new, going to Facebook market. We're not talking about where you're buying. We're talking about buying because it's working towards that end goal and you already have it in your mind. And it may not be exactly the same, let's just say, gray couch that you had in your mood board. But you know that this kind of couch with this dimensions, it's going to fit in what you have already planned. That is called that's called like buying with a vision or planning and, and shopping like a pro. Because if you think about it, knowing to your designer will go to your home and mm. ask you, okay, how much money do you have? Okay, let me go shopping and let's see if it fits. Mm. No one would do that. So I'm here I'm trying to teach homeowners to do the same thing that pros do but for them mm-hmm. within their budget, within their timeline. Yes. I really like how you say you could see something in a store that looks great, but then when you get it to your own space, it just doesn't fit. So we oftentimes will base our personal style off what we are sold by the marketers or sold by the stores to think that we need. But I like how you say yeah. that we have this vision in mind and this is why we plan beforehand and really I like the idea of a vision board. I know people will use Pinterest boards to kind of have an idea, Mm -hmm. but I think you're talking about even more detail and more depth about the things we're wanting to bring in. Pinterest will help you find out what your style is. A lot of people would say, well, I'm a, I like boho or I'm a contemporary or I'm a glam girl. You know, I I hear it all many different ways, not knowing what that exactly means. I actually had a client who said, I'm a minimalist. And when she started sharing the photos from Pinterest, I was like, this does not look like minimalism to me, right? And so we started talking and she just, she found that word and she thought she that's who she was, but she was quite completely the opposite, to be very honest with you. So it's, it's really interesting. This area of pinning and trying to find yourself will tell you more about yourself than what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like Pinterest, but yes, you're right. It's not just having a Pinterest board with things that you like. It's more like kind of envisioning, okay, if I just put this great, uh, great couch that you found online, uh, and you haven't bought it yet, mm-hmm. let's put it on the board. Let's put it with the, I don't know, the coffee tables that you already have and let's mm-hmm. bring the artwork that you love that you have in some closet. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it out and let's work around that. And you, you kind of start having a vision. Okay. I, I love it. Or no, I don't like how the great couch look. Let's, let's not do that. And let's start looking, but you haven't spent any money. Mm-hmm. You haven't spent any money because once you do start spending money, then you okay, you know where you're heading. It, it's a plan. Basically it's like going on a trip and having to pack, not knowing where you're going, how much you're going to spend there, where you're going to stay, what activities you're going to be doing. You would never go on a trip like that. But yet we're shopping for our homes just like that, without a plan, without knowing where we're heading. And it sounds like you're trying to avoid the buyer's remorse. That's where you step in and you... Wow. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You, you got that right. It's the buyer's remorse. Is that the, I wish I would have known that I, oh, I, I do wish that we could eradicate that. And we can. Mm-hmm. We can when we have clarity, when we have a vision and when we plan it. So that changing that money mindset is part of what you just said. It's also thinking, oh, beautiful homes are expensive and 
I require a lot of money. So therefore, I'm not going to do anything because I don't have the money, mm. which is not true. We can either plan things at a time and, you know, stage our the way we change our homes or we can refinish what we have work with what we have there's so many ways that we can work around that specific money mindset another one is like I have kids I'm just going to wait until my kids are grown up and then I'll try to fix my home and I'll see you know how I like it or what my style is that's another mindset that we need to get rid of because we need to raise our kids in an environment where we're also happy. And in doing so, we're teaching them your environment also affects the way you feel, the way you do your homework, the way you invite your friends over to play. So I, I do work with people that comes from homes where there's a lot of cluttered. And I can see the impact of that in their upbringing and, and the way they live their lives now. So I think at some point as moms, we need to, like I said at the beginning, set our kids up for success. So they in turn can benefit from having spaces that inspire them. And, and that has nothing to do with style or a budget. It just has to do with how the space supports your lifestyle and your vision. Absolutely. Well, did you have anything else that we didn't get to that you wanted to share with the listeners? Maybe up some word of encouragement. Bring up your personality. There, there's three things that I tell my my students. Just make it cohesive, make it personal, and make it evergreen. Cohesive is where you are not just buying the beautiful artwork and put it up on your walls, but that artwork works with everything else around your room. Not it doesn't stand out like an island, beautiful on its own. Everything else is working together. Evergreen because it's home or it's a room that will stand the test of time. And you can just refresh an update without having to change everything. I don't think anyone wants to invest a lot in, you know, in a room just because the season changes. That's not what we're here for. And then make it personal where you're showing the, your personality, your story. Make it look like this is where I live, not coming out of a furniture catalog. You put those three together, you're heading on the right direction. And like I said at the beginning, I do teach that in design school for homeowners. Perfect. Well, where can listeners connect with you online? Where can they find that course? Um, all the good stuff about Jessica. I'm on Instagram at interiors underscore by underscore Jessica. So interiors by Jessica. And if they check pins to reality.com, it's the, my main course. The website will be up soon, but for now, it's pinstoreality.com. Perfect. Well, I didn't prompt you with this, but every guest I ask two questions to. So the first question I ask every guest is, what is a beneficial resource that you found personally life-changing that you would want to share with the listeners? I read this book called Clockwork by um, my butcher, his last name, Mike Bihalovich, and he talked about the queen bee role. And in how he relates that to, you know, the beehive and everybody protects the queen bee because she has a role. And as long as she's performing that role, the hive is working well. And so he talks about us identifying what our queen bee role is and making sure that that's what we're doing and that's what we're putting our focus. And I found myself as I was doing the exercise that I was putting my focus on a lot of other things that were not necessarily that queen bee role. And it did change how I'm managing my schedule and trying to 
focus less on those things and more on what matters to me, which it could be work-related or motherhood or home life. But but I think we all need to identify that, that is our priority. And then we start adding everything else on top. But that should be first. Oh, well, I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. I might have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I recommend it. Okay, go ahead. What can't you stop thinking about? I can't stop thinking about my family in Panama. <laughs> oh, I can't stop thinking. I Yeah, everybody is in Panama. I'm the only one outside of Panama. So I tell my husband, I live in Panama, but I visit Canada. I always think about them and visiting and spending time with my family, taking my kids. My kids love Panama. We go often. So we're always thinking, when's our next trip? So yeah, that would be one for sure. How long have you lived in Canada? Oh, I moved here when I was 19, but uh, I've lived in out of those, you know, since then, we probably lived in Panama 13 years. So we went back and forth. We were very fortunate to live back and forth in Canada and Panama because of work reasons. Sure, sure. Cool. Cool. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you joining. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.